Hi there, this is Stephanie Pache, editor and publisher of RCR News Media and the host of the podcast In the Room With. Today, we have the pleasure of being in the room with filmmaker Paul Ingalls, who's uh, here in Albuquerque talking to me over Zoom. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be with you and the viewers. Stephanie, great. Thanks for being interested. So Paul has made a few films, and he's going to talk to us about one specifically that's very near and dear to his heart. It's called Soldier's Passage. And not only does he have a wonderful heart-touching film, but he also is doing something amazing to help local here in Albuquerque, and that's donating part of the proceeds from his film, rental or purchase online to the Guild Theater here in Albuquerque to help them because of being shut down for COVID. So first of all, Paul, that struck us as the most important thing we saw on the internet um, in a while, that generosity and that kindness of you to support local, but also um, mostly because this story is, um, is incredibly personal to you. And um, if you could just give us a little background on you and then tell us a little bit more about um, your journey with this film, what your inspiration was and and uh, let us know more about that, thanks. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Um, well, I'm a radio guy. Uh, I've been in radio for 46 years since uh, I went to Wake Forest University. I grew up in Bethesda, Maryland, outside of Washington, DC, but uh, went to school in the South. And uh, at the Wake Forest University, even though I was an English major and kind of leaning toward journalism or maybe photojournalism, uh, I, I really got enamored with the uh, university radio station and they let students do everything there i mean you know record shows and sports broadcast and news broadcast and things like that so uh, that was my fraternity in college was joining uh, the radio station and naturally then when i graduated i started looking for work and i became a news reporter in uh, charlotte north carolina a news and sports reporter kind of phased out of the news and sports reporting uh, later in my career to do more music programming, disc jockey, program director work. And I guess I was in commercial radio for about 16 years, uh, landed in Albuquerque uh, twice actually, but we'll say the early 90s for this last stint and uh, switched over to public radio, started working at the University of New Mexico's public radio station. Worked there for eight years and then wanted to find out uh, if I could survive as a freelance reporter and radio producer working in my home. Uh, actually, the reason that became possible was that in the mid 90s, uh, computer editing became possible for audio and for film as well. And it changed what you needed to be able to um, create the media, create the art. Mm -hmm. So when it went on to you know, desktops and then laptops, I could do it at home. And so I thought, let me try it. And I started reporting for NPR and for other public radio shows and uh, was managed, managed to survive. I had to get some consulting contracts. It was kind of a tough road, but it's close to 20 years now of, of doing freelance work. And so the radio sustained me for a long time and continues to actually, I still do radio work. But I'd say about 10 years ago, I got an offer from a friend uh, at Christmas for either guitar lessons or acting lessons. <laughs> 
And since I tried guitar lessons many times, and although I love music and most of the radio work I do is about music history, it just didn't take. Uh, so I said, let's try acting this time because I've, I've just always loved film. I'm one of those guys that when you watch films, you kind of imagine, could you pull that off? Could you, could, you know, could you act as well and, or at all, you know, on screen? So uh, I took acting classes at Soul Acting Academy, which is still an entity here in Albuquerque. Uh, 10 years ago, um, it was owned by um, John uh, and um, Vivian Nesbitt, John Dillon and Vivian Nesbitt, uh, and just took some classes, met some wonderful people, uh, about five years of fairly consistent class work and scene work. And then when I graduated myself, you know, it's not like I'd learned everything there was to learn, but I thought, okay, just like a lot of the colleagues that I was in class with, they were wanting to get small parts in movies and do background work and film was really gearing up in New Mexico. At the, in my late fifties, as I was then, it wasn't the path that I could imagine. I didn't have the patience for, you know, doing a lot of auditions and standing in line and trying to get in the, on the set. I wasn't as enamored with that um, fantasy as I was just saying, okay, now could I make a movie of my own and write my own script? And um, my mom had passed away, an aunt had passed away, left me a little disposable income. So that's what I started to do. And I teamed up with my uh, friend, Tim Nenninger, who was actually shooting scenes for the Soul Acting Academy. You know, the um, actors would write their own scenes or they'd recreate scenes from movies. And he was doing some really basic, but good looking scene work, you know, one camera, three shots, two shot, over the shoulder, over the shoulder. So I thought, well, maybe if I could come up with a script that would be something like that. And so I decided, I came up with a script for a short movie and I'll kind of shortcut it from here. Then I came up with a script for a feature movie. And now I've just finished a documentary. And this was sort of the trilogy of things that I'd had ideas about that I really wanted to do. All uh, stories about, based on my experience of a, we'll call it middle-aged uh, <laughs> man, uh, going through relationships and then dealing with the passing of my father. And uh, the documentary actually is about um, a bunch of guys that I play basketball with at the University of New Mexico on a regular basis. And they've been playing together for 40 years. I've only been playing together with them for 15 years. <laughs> okay. But it's, it's kind of a remarkable story that you know, we could talk about later if there's time. But that's the arc, I would say. So I've made a short, a, a feature and a documentary and I'm kind of done for now because it's an expensive hobby. <laughs> right. um, you know, I mean, I'm sure you have questions, but uh, trying to be able to actually compensate people uh, to get them to, to work on a film, you know, I could count on friends to donate uh, their services for small, uh, a day's work or something but you know if you're going to have people there every day helping you and then it, these are high skill positions right so i would say i spent about 10 grand on each of the three films uh, give or take a grand or two mm -hmm. and uh, but i'm i'm pleased with what we've what we've done great so tell, we're going to talk a little bit go into more depth about a soldier's passage um 
and the whole title is what a soldier's passage conversations from the last mile of the long walk home so that's that's a very not only a long title but if you think about there's so many ways that that can go but because this is so personal tell us um, the inspiration and and how you why you made this film and how why it's important mm -hmm. well yeah um i wanted to you know i don't know if the conversations from the last mile the long walk home is actually a title as much as it is the what do they call it the tagline for the log film line, you know, yeah. the log line right um i wanted the conversations to be put in there because that's mostly what it is um i would say stylistically the inspiration came from my dinner with andre <clears throat> which is the cult classic uh that many of your viewers will know basically you know, two guys sitting in a restaurant talking about life and acting and wallace sean and i always forget the name of the other uh actor who's uh, pretty famous in stage and theater andre uh, gregory andre gregory thank you very much you're welcome so i can be completely entertained for 90 minutes by watching two people talk over dinner mm -hmm. uh i'm i'm sure not everybody can be but as i was spending time with my dad in the last nine months of his life he's a world war ii veteran uh, was closing in on 93 years old uh, my mom had passed away five years ago. He was living alone in a retirement home in North Carolina. Because my brother and sister uh, both teach and I'm a freelancer, it was easier for me to spend time with him. Mm -hmm. So I cut out this time and, you know, it was a profound experience for me to have these conversations with anyone, but much less my dad, who was going through the final stages of life. And so I had just finished the short film, um, which is also a long title, but it's The Weeds in Our Own Backyards, which had a little vignette of my father's story in it, uh, played by the same actor who we got for A Soldier's Passage, Fred Schwab, who's a local theater actor. But uh, in 2015, when I wrapped up that film, it was the beginning of my dad's last year. And so I was still thinking about what to do next. And then as I was right in the middle of having these heart to heart conversations with him and heart to heart conversations with my therapist in Albuquerque to help me process this. And, you know, I think therapy has been a key part of me enjoying and handling life for probably 20 years. And I highly recommend it. I decided to make that part of the story. And so there are these parallel stories of me talking with a therapist, uh, me talking with my dad, um, coming back to the therapist saying, this is what happened. This is where we're at. You know, he's talking about this now and he's going through a life review. You know, how can I be more help? And so, you know, I, I thought that mostly it could be a series of conversations. And that's mostly what it is, I would mm -hmm. say. Um, and I think that... Um, viewers going into it, there's a lot more we could say about it, and I, and I hope we will, but um, should know that. So that's why I wanted to put conversations in that, in that line. Right. 
it, it is important for us to also destigmatize getting therapy. You need someone to talk to, whether it is a professional, it is a friend, it is, you know, whomever, you know, uh, uh, your clergy. Um, we aren't built to have to just contain all emotion and never share. So um, it is important um, to have that. And to be able to have someone be there just as a sounding board so you know you know what it is that um that emotion that you're feeling and how you can how you can embrace it because it could also you know and a lot of people um in my experience ignore 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 they don't want to face the reality right they don't want to accept that their family member is at that stage of life or this is happening in their life that and they and then that further burdens them so um having the conversation not only with your father but also with a therapist so when you go back you're refreshed and that burden is lifted and it's easier for you to continue with your father without having him feel you being crushed by some of that emotion would you say that i'm on the right track with that? oh yeah no a hundred percent i'd love to hear you talk about it because it's refreshing to hear somebody else talk about it but me when I try to pitch this and it really was a purpose of the film um, and the thing about you mentioned all the different options right you said a friend or a pastor or a therapist the thing about the therapist is is that generally when you enter a relationship with uh, a behavioral psychologist or a therapist a counselor you have a appointment every week every two weeks you can set it for what, whatever you need and it really is like a tune-up it's an emotional tune-up it's a it's a mental workout mm -hmm. um and above all else ideally it's the safe 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 place right you know you don't it, it's not complicated you, you can't make your partner a therapist you can't make really your best friend a therapist you can't make um you know, your parents, a therapist, you can use their counsel, of course, particularly mm -hmm. if you trust them. But um, the idea for the therapy is obviously to make it that safe, secret place mm -hmm. where you can totally be yourself, mm -hmm. count on the, the person is there trained to listen to you. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a scene early in the film where, you know, I'm finishing up a session with Don is the therapist's name paid played brilliantly by the way by Greg Nye modeled after the therapist that I've had for 15 years or so now and mm -hmm. Greg just nailed it he's never met him obviously I don't make that person's name public right. but uh, but he was just perfect I saw him at a workshop at Soul Acting Academy because after I stopped taking classes I'd still drop in and watch their showcases and I picked several actors for this film uh, from a show from a showcase. But anyway, so the character and this is all written basically as it happened. I mean, it's a transcription of this, my story to a large degree. Sure. So I'm getting up to leave and, you know, he says, uh, when you're with him, um, you know, see if he has anything to say about all these things that you've talked about with me about him. And I say, well, what do you mean that? Uh, you know, he made my mom cry and blamed our kids, but blamed his kids, or he 
thought my politics was naive and ill-conceived and, you know, didn't listen to me the way you do. And he said, yeah, that kind of stuff. And I said, you know, I, I don't want to, he's 93, Don. I, I don't want to, you know, drag him through all that. He's, you know, earned some peace from all of my hangups. And he says, no, just listen, just listen. He may have something to say about all this in these end of life times. And you know, I said, okay, so it's not like me bringing it up. He's just telling me, be aware mm -hmm. that if he's doing a life review, he might go through this. And as the film points out, yeah, it really did happen is that my dad was going through a very active life review. And we would sit, uh, you know, the poster is behind me here, but people will see it if they go to the, the Vimeo page for the film. Um, we would sit out in the courtyard at the retirement home and I wouldn't have to say anything. You know, I would just, I, I, I might say, what's up, dad, you know, because I could see he was like contemplating and he'd say, well, I'm just, just thinking how I could have been kinder to your mom, mm. you know, and, and that would just open up a conversation about, well, what do you mean? And he would say, well, you know, I didn't pay her as much attention as I could have. I got around to it too late and, you know, gave me the chance to say, well, it's just good that you got to it at all, you know, and, and. And, and she, you know, she found her happiness. She, you know, had friends and, you know, we're all only partially responsible for the happiness of the people that we're partnered with. So uh, that's, you know, a little, I just did the clip, right? So it's just, <laughs> it's just a, a little taste of, you know, and, and these are the conversations that, and they move through stages of, of his health, obviously, because at certain points, and this is why I think the film is so valuable and has been for everybody who's seen it that is kind of in our age bracket or just dealing with um, parents getting older, mm -hmm. they've all, they either before they saw it or right after they saw it, they'd say, this is happening in my family right now. Mm -hmm. And it's so comforting to be able to just hear somebody else's experience with this and get a few ideas right. about how to, navigate through it um, and then of course later we can talk in a moment if you want to but you know the questions of the stages of care right. for uh, someone who's who's that age are always kind of controversial inside a family for me um, just from my experience in my family as you say every family is going through this when i was younger uh, my great grandmother who was died at 98. So she had a good life. And her mother died at 101, believe it or not. Crazy. Good genes. Does that mean I'm only halfway through? Uh, but, so. um, <laughs> but anyway, um, visiting her as so as a teenager, I visited her in, and they had her in a home and she had, you know, she was didn't remember who anyone was. And I remember thinking, you know, remembering her as a vibrant, crazy great grandma that I just adored. And then, and just to go and be with her and smile and make her feel um, not threatened because at that point she didn't know who I was. And so trying to understand walking in this situation and how you manage that, right? And then I look at my family who all they did was cry and weep and you know, she doesn't remember me and all of that. And I'm thinking, but she had a beautiful life. Let's rejoice her life. Let's not bring that emotion to her. And I'm, you know, 15 years old. And that was mm. my take on it. 
and viewing them, you know, so every family has different things. I've gone to even estate sales when, and you're observing the family crisis over who's getting what items that are still for sale, you know, at a, on a table somewhere. There's so much emotion at that point where everybody's trying to, um, I think, do the right thing in their mind to take care of that person. Um, and your film is, and my father was also a veteran. And so I kind of, you know, I was reading the description of your film. I'm like, this is so close to home for me in so many ways because of who your father was. You saw him as this warrior, right? The, the veteran and he's seen so much and, you know, his, you know, life going through all of those things. And then on the opposite side, you're trying to, you know, support him and understand all of those things. And you're not a medical professional. You're just, you know, you're also seeking this information on how you can be supportive and understand where he is, what those stages are, as you pointed out, because they do change and sometimes pretty dramatically from one moment to the next, right? So, and, and that kind of slaps you into the reality of, oh my gosh, she doesn't know who I am. Or today he's talking about this. So tell us a little bit um, more about some of those, you know, things that you learned um, as you were making this film and caring for your father. Well, it's a lot. Uh, I mean, and as I wrote the script in January and February of 2017, uh, well, the first cut of this film is three hours and 15 minutes long. Uh, and, and I was going to stick with it at that and we were going to uh, make it episodic uh, and make it, you know, uh, web episodes. So there and there even in the final cut, there's still six chapters to it. So we had that in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, it, I, I really thought that was asking too much for an unknown independent film, you know, with no famous actors in it for people to find it and say, okay, yeah, I'll sign up for six chapters of that. Sure. So there was a lot anyway, and then there's a lot that I had to cut out to make it, it I mean, it's a, it's two hours and 20 minutes as it is now. So most people would you know, consider that kind of a long ride too, but that's the best I could do. Mm -hmm. So, um, but in that cutting, obviously, as in every film editor's work, you uh, take it through stages of crystallization where you really are having to ask those tough questions about how essential is this? You know, is this peripheral? Is this uh, something that's more about mood or what is each each possibility about? And then you say, well, you know, that that can go, that can go, that that can be in the director's cut. I can watch anytime I want. You know? Right, right. So, um, so there's a lot, but to, to spin off of a couple things that you were saying, one is is that we were very lucky that my dad did not go through steps of dementia or Alzheimer's. So up until the time that, uh, you know, he was uh, unresponsive for a period before he passed, um, we could talk to him, you know, and not that he wasn't, you know, losing his place sometimes that's depicted in the film, you know, he was so self sufficient right to a year before uh, this uh, chapter was told. So that, you know, the, the and these are handled in the conversations is that he prided himself on being dependable and being uh, self-sufficient. So for him to lose the ability to 
take care of himself was a first big step. Mm -hmm. And he, um, it became very clear that after a fainting spell that he returned and he was quite weakened by spending time in the hospital, that when he came back, he needed home health assistance, but he didn't understand that and didn't want that and could say, I can still get to the bathroom with my walker. I uh, should still be able to go down for meals. And, you know, everybody else around him was saying, yeah, dad, no, not really, you know, but you have to handle that gently. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you know, and this is depicted in the film too, is that there's just, there's a moment that actually happened where, you know, I'm with him and I was trying to let him still dress himself for bed, put his pajamas on. And he was trying to do it, but there was something about the ordering capability of his mind that he couldn't, he couldn't finish the job. You know, he'd get to the point where he'd buttoned his shirt and his pants were still down. And he said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. And, you know, so that scene was very dramatic in my life when he, when I said, let me help you. And I pulled his pajama bottoms up and he just collapsed and said, I, he was in tears. He said, I can't believe it's come to this, you know? And, you know, I, I at that moment, I, I took that moment to say, you know, look, um, uh, he says, I'm of no use to you anymore, to your kids anymore. And I pointed out to him, I said, dad, we have to see all this. We're all heading here, you know? So you have a great opportunity and we have a great opportunity to go through it together, do the best we can and and see where it goes. Um, and I felt good about that conversation with him. I wouldn't say that it turned the corner where he obviously, it really took another fall for him to realize that, uh, okay, um, you know, I need, home health. Uh, and we had a big summit meeting that's also depicted in the film where, you know, you have to lay all that stuff out and you have to be empathetic, but you have to be uh, truthful. Right. So, so it's this, it's this progression, you know, and, you know, obviously I don't want to you know, act the whole film out for you here, but it, <laughs> but I, I hope that people will get the idea that in a soldier's passage that, um, there's something about your life, either your personal life or the life of your family or any loved ones. You know, we're all getting to the age where we're losing friends. I've had mm-hmm. more than I care to talk about um, uh, in recent years. Right. Co- COVID only amplified all of that. Obviously, this mm-hmm. was all shot pre-COVID. And right. it oddly, Stephanie, to watch the family have access to someone who's not dying of COVID, but is, you know, going through this end of life, basically dying of old age, uh, essentially, but, um, and, and to be together and to be able to touch and to be able to have these conversations. I can't imagine, even if my dad had gone through this in the age of COVID, when I couldn't go to the retirement home, oh my God, you know, I, I'd be making a very different movie or there'd be seemingly nothing to make the movie about hardly. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm grateful for that. Um, but hopefully we're moving out of that so that these opportunities, you know, I'm just hopeful that we'll see a day where we won't be hearing so much about COVID deaths, but 
in any case, I'm hoping that families will be able to walk with their elders and their friends of any age through these steps and find some real help, support, companionship, and hard tips mm -hmm. in this film. I think that opening the conversation, because if you, mm -hmm. I don't want to call it a taboo conversation, but you know, it's one of those conversations people don't want to talk about. They don't want to face, you know, um, a family member in that time. And in a lot of cases, um, I can say uh, during my father's last days, you know, I was there and I told, you know, I didn't want him to hang on because I knew it was almost done. And I wanted to assure him that he could go and he didn't have to worry. I had everything taken care of. And I was having that conversation with him and a nurse had heard me and she said, do you know down the hall, every one of those rooms, people are begging that person not to go, which makes it even harder on the family and then the person who, you know, is ready to pass hangs on, you know, their, their, their force is hanging on because they want to comfort the family. So I think, you know, another reason why I was drawn to this is because it is important. It is part of, I don't want to be cheesy and do the circle of life thing, but it is part of life. It is not the pleasant part, but it is something that we can celebrate that they had all of this time we had all of this time with them and with your film you're celebrating that life with conversation and talking and having and and bringing that warmth to the person and to um more memories for your heart i think that you carry on after they leave so it's a comfort for you um as well uh, you know, and in, in looking at this um, type of narrative um, approach to a story about your life, about another person's life. And especially when we think of, um, you know, our parents, uh, we, we look up to them, you know, for most of us, um, we look up to them, we want to honor them. And then if they've served in the military, we want to make sure we honor that because that's in their mind, I know with my father, you know, he was the warrior and he was the strong one. He took care of all the things. And in fact, when I went to um, take care of him in his last days, he had everything worked out. He had, you know, all I had to do is just follow the instructions basically, yeah. because like your dad, mm -hmm. he was self-sufficient. He wanted, but um, the other, you know, there's other sad parts of that where by the time I, you know, when my father called me and said, gave me the bad news, and I got there two days later, he was sitting with an ice chest, yogurt and Coke next to him that a neighbor brought because he couldn't get up anymore, you know? And it broke my heart because he didn't have, he didn't tell me that. But, you know, again, these are conversations and these are things that have to evolve with that relationship and where they are. So, you know, you were involved, I think with the last nine months of your father's days in this story that you're telling. And, you know, I basically had a week mm -hmm. because my yeah. father, my father was that stubborn, you know, mm -hmm. and did, and, and I was talking to him every week. So he never told me that. So it's, you know, and he had lived with uh, my son and I for a while. And then um, the weather in new England, where we were living at the time was too much for him. So he went to Las Vegas, Nevada, where the heat was better for his arthritis. 
So in that year that he left us, you know, it, it changed a lot of mm -hmm. things. But yeah. um, this is a, a very brave film and it's a very um, important one that we need to have these conversations, not only um, about death, but about embracing and accepting what what's going on and understanding and being more involved in helping the journey be less, um, I don't want to say less emotional, but less frustrating, right? Because you're part of that, helping part of that. Right. Yeah. And, and I would just say, as opposed to make it less of anything is to make it more, uh, more profound and more essential um, because the opportunity is there. And I, I don't want to kind of preach urgency and saying, okay, now you've got to get this person talking about all the stories that they didn't tell you. And you've got to, you know, unload all of the uh, emotional baggage that you've uh, left unattended for 60 years, you know, uh, there's a balance in all mm -hmm. that. Um, but I, and I do think that the film carefully presents an idea for that balance, you mm -hmm. know, where you get a little bit of everything and you open the door and the, you know, you ask questions, uh, you don't drill down and you don't say certainly like, uh, you know, you're going to be gone in six months. Somebody better tell me this. There's some families that might approach it that way actually, but, right. but um, so the invitation should be there to try to do that. I mean, I, I think also, you know, we tend to do that only when, uh, the patient is terminal sometimes. And obviously, if we were a little bit more alert to the fact that, you know, we don't know when this is going to happen for any of right. us. But, you know, obviously, if, if uh, folks are getting in their 80s and 90s, you know, you don't want to put off the opportunity to sit and talk and reminisce with them a little bit sure. and find out. Because, you know, once my dad left, I'm sure you've experienced it too, is that how many times has something come up and said, well, dad would know that or mom would know that, but nobody else knows that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, yeah. again, not to make it sound too urgent, but I think there are sweet, sweet opportunities there. Uh, it takes teamwork. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to get families together on that. And this is depicted in the film. I mean, my brother and sister and I, we're all in three different parts of the country. We all voted for different presidents in one election. You know, it's uh, so, you know, trying to come together on stuff like that is challenging. We, we did OK mm -hmm. with it. Um, but uh, so, you know, there's that terrain that is covered also in the film, too. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think and, the uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, oh. I, 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 I wasn't able to finish that sentence anyway. <laughs> That's, the other the other part of this is having a third party who's objective. That's your therapist. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a person that if you're frustrated with family members, you don't have to take it out on them because you don't understand their emotions about that situation. So if you talk to your therapist, they can help yeah. bring that around. So you're staying on the path of trying to keep everyone together and moving sure. forward. And a good so, therapist and a good therapist, if you've been with them for a while, you know, knows those dynamics because mm -hmm. part of what I talk about is, you know, the, the nuclear family. Sure. Uh, and just as a sub thought about therapy is, yes, it does take 
some time experimentation to find a good therapist. Mm -hmm. um, but I would just submit that it's worth the search. You can, I've told people when I've recommended it to or have come to me for ideas, I say, make it like dating a little bit. You know, it's like, have a date with this person. You know, just like if you want to have a second date, you know, there's something clicking there. But right. if not, big deal. And you know that if you're going to enter online dating, for example, you know, it's going to take three, four, five or six, make it a hundred, making it making an adventure that you understand without saying, I tried that. I couldn't find anybody, you know, it's yeah. a pain in the ass and, right. oh, please, please give it a, give it a second chance, but you're right. So anyway, the therapist, you know, can, can certainly be that safe space um, to, 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 to run it by. And also it is, it takes a village. And so uh, I tried to represent that in the film too, because there was a wonderful chaplain who was on site there. And actually the scene that I have with the chaplain uh, coming into the room quite accidentally and, and talking, uh, being a radio guy, uh, you know, oftentimes when my dad would start reminiscing, I would turn my recorder on and just sort of lay it on the bed. He never knew it. And I had the recorder going on through most of that, what is depicted in that scene where he's actually saying, you know, uh, that he's come to terms with the idea of, of passing. And the chaplain walks in to borrow his book that he's written. I should mention something about that is that the title of Soldier's Passage is the name of a book my dad wrote about his World War II experiences. Oh, okay. and, and it makes an appearance in the film. Um, it's, it's sort of a brief one, but there's uh, uh, a scene where I reference the book and he reads something from the book and it's, it's kind of the anchor to his military experience and what it taught to him in life. Uh, but anyway, the chaplain was coming in this, in real life to borrow the book, he wanted to read it. And then he, we were right in the middle of this, like, what is, what's the purpose of life or what's going on right now conversation? And I said, could you please sit down for a minute? And, and you know, he was not prepped for it, other than the fact that he works at a retirement home and he has these conversations all the time. And again, you know, not to reveal all the essence of every scene, but I will in this case, just because I, I know that some people who see this will never see the film. I hope that that's not the case, but I know it's to be true. But anyway, essentially, he convinces my dad that every breath he takes is part of his story. Mm -hmm. And that even though he's bed bound, that every time somebody walks in, there's an op there's a human interaction opportunity. And my dad was capable of doing that in a positive way. I mean, he kind of, that was his nature anyway, but it, you know, he kind of talked him out of feeling too sorry for himself that he couldn't be curious and kind to the healthcare worker mm -hmm. uh, or even to just the, the nurse that he knew on the, on the uh, floor and was just bringing his pills. And, and so, you know, that, I think all that helps, but it, all the messaging can't come from the kid in this example, or, you know, right. the son or the daughter, you have to enlist other people and look for people that you can enlist, you know, people, friends uh, that, that my dad had, some were uh, more comfort than others, you know, get them together with those people. Mm -hmm. And 
a one scene that I dearly love because you know, we might get emotional talking about it because it features uh, an acting friend of mine and a sweet, sweet man who passed away himself suddenly a year or two ago. Um, his name's Pat Brennan. Um, in real life, I had an army buddy of my dad who I'd sent a copy of his book to who was just effusive about saying, I, can I talk to your dad? You know, I just really want to thank him. And, and, and so it, I, I made that happen. And as it's shown in the film is almost exactly as, as it happened because the guy talked so loud, I could hear everything, <laughs> you know, as, as elderly folks need to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was an opportunity there to connect my dad with his um, military experience from his twenties where somebody still today could say to him, you know, you were an enlisted man's officer and you were really fabulous. And the guy wasn't, you know, really, um, I won't, I don't want to use, all I can come up with is articulate, but you know, he, he, he wasn't extremely verbal, but he got those key things out you know, and, and, sure. and, and it was a very powerful thing. So I think you can look for those opportunities, you know, where can that, where can the other messages come from to remind your elder that they are cared about, that they uh, had a, an impact on people's lives. You know, I don't think you need to do a Ralph Edwards, this is your life taping in the room, but I okay. think in bits and pieces, you can, you know, make that happen. Sure. No, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Well, we don't want to give out any more information about this okay. film, um, but we want to talk about the generosity that you have shown to the community and to the Guild Theater here in Albuquerque. Yeah. Because you have um, graciously put your film available um, for viewing for um, a rental of $4 for a week or $8 for purchase of a digital copy and half of that money goes to the Guild Theater to help support them during the pandemic turned down because they don't have people coming into the theater right. um, at this time. Yeah, but thank you. The Guild is a, is a treasure uh, for Albuquerque. You haven't been in Albuquerque that long, I know, but yeah. every but every place in, in the USA just about has that little independent theater or they call it an art house theater mm -hmm. um, you know the one place that will bring in those foreign films uh, when they're new so you don't have to wait two years to see them uh, play those quirky titles and uh, or you know just sometimes it's just the independent film that by oscar time is suddenly it got everybody talking but when it first comes out you know nobody's talking about it yet so uh, uh, Keith Henley and his team at the, the Guild um, are going through the same kind of trouble that any performance space or film house is going through, which is, you know, over a year ago, they had to shut down. And fortunately, uh, the film industry um, has come together in part because filmmakers and distributors need to get films out. Um, they've teamed up with some of these smaller theaters to uh, help them uh, get some income, much like you described. This wasn't a new idea or a singular idea for me. Uh, the, the Guild has been getting uh, shared uh, income from rentals of 
all their titles for uh, uh, for the better part of a year. So, and when I discovered this, I said, this is great. You know, so instead of us going to Netflix, uh, you know, we went to the guild um, to make sure that at least once every couple of weeks we were looking at, and at first they only had like five or six, but now they got 15 or 20 titles mm -hmm. and they're cycling through with some great stuff, documentaries, all kinds of foreign films, if you'd love that genre, quirky comedies. And the, I noticed that there was one local film um, or he was making space for a short film that was local. Uh, and I don't think that they were trying to make money. I think it was a free, uh, a mm. free look. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, a Soldier's Passage had gone through its festival circuit. We did pretty well. You know, we've won like uh, a bunch of awards and maybe 12 or 13 festivals we got mm -hmm. selected into, which was nice. But it was time to, you know, put it out there. Right. Um, I, I am. Uh, it's impossible for me to put a film out and expect to make back what I spent on making that. So what I make on the film means pretty little to me at this point. And so I just talked to Keith and I said, could we do that? We had screened it, had a private screening and we're talking about screening at this Father's Day again um, in the theater. But at this point, it's, uh, it's awesome whether or not within a couple months they'll be able to you know, put people in that theater. Right. So anyway, so I said, can we put it up and uh, through Father's Day, we'll split the income. It, it, it's, we're on to, off to a slow start. Honestly, you know, we're under a hundred dollars in uh, income, which means, you know, the most I'm giving to the Guild right now is 50. It's been up there three weeks or so, but I also know it's Oscar time. There's so many options out there. There's, you know, Kong versus Godzilla, God knows. <laughs> so uh, it, I appreciate the, the opportunity to get the word out, you know, because in some ways it's, it's just that small local film. I right. think for a local film with local talent and a tiny crew, I mean, it was me, Tim Nenninger and Jen McKinley as a production assistant and script supervisor. We did all of that. And um, I'm... I'm not saying it's you know going to match uh, stand up with Nomadland or Minari or anything else that you have a chance to see, but I think from a practical standpoint, as we've been talking, it's a really good one to take in. Mm -hmm. No, I to be, oh, yeah. Well, and just to, to be able to do it for four or eight bucks and help the theater, uh, I think is is a good place to be. Well, that's that's another reason why we loved it. It's not just because the story is powerful and it's something that it doesn't matter who you are, what what age you are. It is part of um, our life, our the fabric of living, and how we um, are, you know, how our grace allows us to move through it and bring other people um, along with us and help keep our family together and support um, while honoring the passage of our loved ones. But so you have the story, the powerful story, but also the powerful story of support of the community at large. And, you know, filmmakers giving back is always a wonderful thing to see um, because a lot of times I think people don't understand um, where they can find content that's good. They don't, they're not looking for things or they're not seeing the stories or maybe they saw the story and didn't really hit, hit them, you know, why it's important. 
I know I've seen a lot of fundraising, you know, watch our film and half of it goes to this, but you're, you know, a lot of times you're paying $30, $40 also to do that, to watch that or to, to participate in that. Um, this is a very small amount of money, $4 to rent a film. And, you know, I don't want to say just pay the money so the donation can go. That's not this. It is a story that's important. You should, you know, and honor Paul and his, you know, hard work and uh, with all of the people that were involved in this project and show that support and tell people about it. It's the mm -hmm. other thing, because this is available through Father's Day, June 30th, correct? That's your, your end date? Yeah, right. I mean, that's the date we picked just to find out, you know, whether or not we'd be back in the theater. Um, right, right. And things you know, are... Right, things are starting to open up. And so, you know, it, a lot of people are still home and a lot of people haven't gotten their vaccination. So I think it's a good film to start um, to watch at home. Cause you know, the other thing is a lot of people haven't ever purchased a film to watch at home. So this is a new experience also for people um, viewing what we're, um, we got going on here as well. So we'd like to, um, you know, make sure that we get the word out. We want people to know this is on Vimeo, which is like YouTube, but is um, a little bit different. Um, and we'll provide links in our article and also with this video, if you're watching. Um, so you can go directly to the film because you can just pay online. Like you say, it's $4 or $8 are your options. And half of that money does go to support um, local, um, the the guild theater as well as the filmmaker um because you know it's part of the distribution when you make a film you're you're um, putting it out there for people to watch um and and, like that, and, and, and that and that's the joy i mean uh, if you've ever been to a film festival you know the indie filmmakers get up on stage and they say you know we're, <laughs> it's all about getting an audience you know right and so you know it's it's not you know, I'm not going to make that money back. It's just, it's just something to do and, you know, get a little small change and just share that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I do want to say, uh, I think the market research on this, I think, as it's such as it is, is that I think people hear about, okay, it's a soldier's passage, a story about an old man dying. Who needs that? I need some happy news. Um, I think from the practical aspect of what you can, you know, uh, um, get from the film, and also there's humor in it. I mean, I was really careful to, you know, drop some scenes that actually happened of, with characters that were trying to do their best, but, you know, uh, we might've missed the mark a little bit. And the conversations that I had with my dad, you know, uh, surprised me and some of them were humorous too. So it's not, it's, it, I think it's an uplifting film, honestly, um, by the time you finish it. And I do wanna mention that I, I did hear back from several people in the healthcare industry who watched this film and really said nice things about how accurate it sounded, how realistic it seemed, how it honored, you know, the work of hospice workers, home healthcare workers. It's a large cast, 40 speaking roles, I think, for local actors. And then another, it's kind of sweet because we shot it at the uh, retirement community of La Vida here in Albuquerque, and there were another 50 residents who signed up, you know, to be uh, extras, hanging out in the lobby, you know, different scenes and walking right. down the hallways and things like that. So it, 
it is a community effort. I mean, there's like, you know, 100 people contributed to this. And now it's time to, you know, just to sort of see if we can expand the impact of it, both for yourself as a viewer, but for our local independent theater. Guildcinema.com is Got the it. place to go. Guildcinema.com. And if you scroll down, you'll find the picture of a soldier's passage and you can click on it there. It's probably easier to remember than the Vimeo uh, uh, link. But uh, so Stephanie, th thank, thank you so much for uh, uh, talking with me about it. And uh, I, I really honor what your uh, uh, news organization and your network is, is really trying to do and all the support that you're trying to give to uh, local cinema people here and filmmakers, uh, not just here, but throughout your career. So uh, it's, it's good work. And I am really pleased to have been able to make your acquaintance too. Well, I believe me, this is just a start. We're here and we're gonna, once everything really opens up or we're vaccinated enough to see each other in person, we will be meeting up soon enough, but I appreciate your time. And again, your um, outreach um, about we're, your film. We're, we're, we're on Facebook too. So if you put a soldier's passage in Facebook, we have a page there and obviously we're putting the link to Vimeo up, you know, about once a week. I'm also loading up uh, scenes from the film if you'd like to, okay. you know, get, get a little bit of an extra peek at it. So that's uh, sure. obviously we'll have all Facebook. Of that. Absolutely. That's okay. wonderful. We'll have all of that in our shared um, article and videos and you can find us all over the internet. And are you using the hashtag a soldier's passage? So if people look for that. Um, I, well, we will, I, we'll I'm, start I'm just, it. I'm on Facebook, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, active on Twitter. Um, oh, that's fine. Be, people can use that hashtag to find it also on that how search it, and Facebook. On Facebook? Yep. Okay, good, then, yeah, then hashtags are all over. Way. All right. <laughs> okay. So great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. And we hope our um, audience will visit, watch, at least watch the trailer, um, tell folks about it. If you're not, you know, it's not something that you'll watch, but you want to um, make a kind donation, that would be appreciated. And then, you know what, buy a copy and share it with someone um, that will watch it, you know, share it with a family member or friend. So I'm sure everybody, everybody who's watching this, if they're not in that situation now with their family, they know someone who is, or, you know, a healthcare worker who's had a really tough year that wouldn't mind seeing a good depiction of their work. So, you know, there are, I think, a lot of reasons to, to check it out. So I hope you will. We know they will. Okay. Thank you so much again, Paul. We'll uh, see you next time.